Well, we're talking about the, the power of open, and specifically, we've been talking for several weeks about the power of opening your Bible, an open Bible. How many know that Christians need to be reading their Bible? And more than just read, reading your Bible, I heard someone say this last week. We were up at a, our national conference up in uh, Queensland. It was sure good to be in another country. <laughs> Felt like anyway. But somebody said, uh, when they asked, when, when the pastor said, when people ask me, so how much of my Bible should I read? I thought his answer was so good. He said, more. <laughs> that was a good answer. But we're talking about the power of an open Bible. And how powerful this is in your life, for your life, and for whatever station and stage you are in. You may be going through a season of life that is difficult. Uh, you may be having, uh, maybe you're single, or maybe you're, and it's difficult, or maybe you're married, and it's uh, difficult. You, maybe your finances are uh, uh, in a situation. Whatever, whatever. There is something powerful when we open our Bible and let God's word begin to speak to us. How many know that our thoughts are not his thoughts? Right? The scripture even says that. So I'm thinking all these thoughts, but my thoughts aren't his thoughts. So the best thing I could do for me and my life and my marriage and whatever situation is to learn and to know how to think God's thoughts. And I'm not going to know God's thoughts with a closed Bible. I'm only going to know God's thoughts and his perspective and his wisdom and his understanding when I open my Bible. And so last week I said that when you open up your Bible, you sit down at his table. Because this is more than just words. This is food. This is, this is, uh, this is what sustains us. This is how we grow. It's more, the Bible is more than just a textbook. It is a meal. It is food. It is sustenance. And we read last week in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 2, as newborn babes, and I'm waiting for a cue from one of the newborn babes right now, it says, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. How much life and food is there in a mother's milk for a child to grow? And as a matter of fact, everything a little bitty baby needs to become a big person is in that food. It's in that perfect, healthy mix that's in there. So the milk of the word. And then Jesus said in Matthew 4 and verse 4, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So we've got the milk of his word, and we've got the bread of his word, and then Job, in Job 23, said this, I have not departed from his commands, but have treasured his words more than daily food. That's sort of what I'm talking about right there. I've treasured his words more than daily food. And again, in Psalm 119, verse 103, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. You know, when God promised the promised land to the children of Israel coming out of Egypt, and we heard about that from Christina's brilliant talk just a moment ago, uh, when God brought them out of Egypt, he brought them into a land, and here's what he said about the land. He said, I'm going to bring you 
to a land that flows with milk and honey. A land that flows with milk and honey. And if you've been to Israel, you know that it is such an amazing land. And what was God saying? If a land flows with milk, that means that the land is good for cattle to graze. And if a land flows with honey, that means there's pollen and bees and agriculture to grow. And so a land that flows with milk and honey is a good land. It's a good place to live. It's going to be a healthy and a prosperous place for you. That's the land that God promised. And in Deuteronomy 26 and verse 9, we read, He has brought us to this place and has given us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. You know, the Bible is like that. The milk of his word. The, 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 the word tastes like honey in my mouth. What we need for growing and for becoming and, and prospering is here in his word. This is a book that flows with milk and honey. Open it up. Don't leave it closed. Or your app. Your app counts as well. Jeremiah chapter 15 and verse 16. Your words were found and I ate them. And your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord, God of hosts. When you open your Bible, you sit at his table. His word is daily bread and daily food. And Jesus prayed, give us this day our daily bread. Now, in Psalm chapter 23, we love that psalm. I'm sure many of you would say like me that's my favorite maybe my favorite book or chapter in the, in the whole maybe in the whole bible it's the 23rd psalm we love that psalm and we know how the psalm starts that the lord is my shepherd and i'm not i shall not want i shall not lack and he makes me lie down you know in green pastures leads me beside still waters it's it's wonderful it's lush you can see it you know leads me in paths of righteousness that's how it starts and then how it ends and I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. You know, I'm going to behold the beauty of the Lord. And so here's where it begins here in these beautiful pastures. And it ends uh, in the house of the Lord. But in the middle is this other thing called the valley of the shadow of death. But here's the problem. And that's familiar to all of us. All of us know valleys. I mean, it's, if we would choose, we probably would like to live on the mountain. But the mountain is, is great, but it's, not, but it's a journey. It's a walk. And this is what the psalm is about, walking through. And so in, in verse 4 and 5, David says this. Yes, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That's between these green and luscious pastures and dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. Yes, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. He says, you're with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. But here's what he says. You prepare a table, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. In the presence of my enemies, you prepare a table for me. And this valley, this shadow of death, this is a dark place. This is a dangerous place. There are enemies all around. And yet in that place, what does God do? He prepares a table for us, a feast for us in that place. The New Living Translation says, even when I walk through the darkest valley, come on, yeah. you, you, you've experienced that valley. Yeah. You know that valley in your life at different times. Yes, you're a follower of Christ, but sometimes following Christ, it, 
involves a cross. It involves a dark place sometimes. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid because you're close. You're close beside me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. And then the message says it like this. You serve me a six-course dinner from Alazeel right in front of my enemies. Right in front of my enemies. Oh, how our enemies must hate that. They must hate that, you know. Here we are going through this valley and this shadow and darkness and, you know, and all these enemies are, you know, all around. And all of a sudden, God spreads this table for us. And, you know, we shouldn't be thinking about eating. We should be thinking about dying because that's where we are. We're in the valley of the shadow of death. And that, but God prepares a feast for us there in that place. When you open your Bible, you sit at his table. These scriptures will sustain you. These scriptures right here will strengthen you and support you. And they will supply you. His word will walk you through and walk you out of dark valleys. When you're surrounded by fears and foes, he prepares a table for you. Isn't that amazing? It's like the opposite of what the enemy would think. To be honest, it's probably the opposite of what we would think. Lord, what do you say about this valley that I'm in right now? I prepare a table. Why don't we eat something? Let's just sit down right here right now, and let's sup together, and let's fellowship together, and let's share a meal together. Now, when Peter was at his absolute lowest, You remember this story. After he denied Christ in his darkest valley, surrounded by enemies. Oh, can you imagine the guilt, the shame, the fear? How many know those enemies? Here he is in this dark valley, surrounded by guilt and shame and fear. Peter says, I'm going back to fishing. I'm a failure at following Christ. I denied him. I disowned him. I suck at being the rock that he's going to build his church on. I'm going back to my boat. And we know that he goes and many of the disciples go with him. And we know that he's fishing all night long. Does not catch one thing. And now the dawn is just about to break. And there's a stranger on the shore who suggests that he cast the net from the left side of the boat to the right side of the boat. Well, they've been fishing all night. So he does. He takes the net from the left, moves it over about two meters or however wide his boat was, I don't know, drops it down, boom. 153 big, big fish. 
looks at the stranger and he looks at John and John looks at him and John says, it's the Lord. And Peter jumps into the water and he swims to Jesus. And what does he hear Jesus say? We're done. Take a hike. Go fly a kite. What does he hear Jesus say? In verse 12 of John 21, he hears Jesus say, Come and dine. Come and dine. I prepared a table for you. Peter was in the darkest valley of his life. And Peter was in the presence of enemies, terrible, terrible enemies, the unholy trinity of guilt and shame and fear. David said, you prepare a table before me in the presence of of my enemies. You know these enemies. Accusation. Condemnation. Intimidation. Guilt. And shame. And fear. Powerful enemies that come to kill and steal and destroy. Guilt. And it steals from a shame and it kills us. Fear. It destroys us. These enemies, they attack us. They attack us. And really, these three enemies, guilt, shame, and fear, they base their attack on our past and our present and our future. Mm -hmm. When guilt comes and we're racked with guilt, guilt has to do with my past, it has to do with something I've done, and we all know what Peter had done three times. We all know what he did. Three times, swearing and cursing and claiming, I do not know that man. I do not know Jesus of Nazareth. Conscience, it was so full of guilt. And shame, Shame, of course, has to do with not my past, not what I've done, but with my present, with who I am, with who I am. Peter was guilty for what he had done, but he was ashamed of who he was. He was a coward. He was a liar. He was a traitor. He was a defector. He was a deserter. He was ashamed. And we read in Luke chapter 22 and verse 56, one of the, we read the story, it unfolds right here beautifully for us. One of the serving maids sitting at the fire, noticed Peter, then took a second look at him and said, this man was with him. He denied it. Woman, I don't even know him. Short time later, someone else noticed him 
and said, you're one of them. But Peter denied it. Man, I am not. About an hour later, someone else spoke up, really adamant. He's got to have been with him. He's got Galilean written all over him. Peter said, man, I do not know what you're talking about. And at that very moment, the last word, hardly off his lips, a rooster crowed. Just then, the master turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered what the master had said to him. Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. He went out and cried and cried. full of guilt, full of shame, and he was full of fear. Guilt has to do with what I've done. It's in the past tense. Shame has to do with who I am in the present tense, and fear has to do with the future. It's a, fear is a dreadful uncertainty. An uncertainty full of dread. It's what fear is. Peter was afraid. He was afraid. Jesus had said he was a rock. Jesus said he was going to build his church on him. Now what? Jesus said the gates of hell would not prevail against the church that he built on that rock. But now what's going to happen? Jesus had given him the keys of the kingdom. But that was before. That was when he confessed, I will die with you. Not after he confessed, I deny I know the man. What's going to happen now? And so a soaking wet, filled with fear, Peter swims to the shore. And trembling, he stands there in his bare feet, feet that just days before Jesus had washed. His chest heaving, his heart pounding, and he looks into the face of Jesus. And what does Jesus say to Peter? Guilty, shameful, fearful Peter. What does he say? Yeah. Come and dine. Yeah. Come and dine. He had prepared a table before him in the presence of his enemies. Come and dine. Come and dine. There's an old hymn that Carol and I used to sing back in our Baptist days. Those were good days. Back in our Baptist days, there was an old hymn written in 1907 by Charles Widmeyer, and we used to just sing this hymn all the time. Come and dine. The chorus went like this. Come and dine, the master calleth. Come and dine. 
you may feast at Jesus' table all the time. He who fed the multitude and turned the water into wine to the hungry, call it now, come and dine. And Jesus calls to Peter, come and dine. And Peter ate a meal with Jesus that morning. And Jesus spoke words to him that removed all of his guilt and all of his shame and all of his fear. Peter walked up on that beach guilty, shameful, fearful. I feel like I've washed up on that same beach many times myself. But when we open our Bible, we sit at his table. And when we open our Bible, we hear thoughts that are not our thoughts. We hear words that are not our words. We hear words and thoughts above us as far as the heavens are above the earth. We open up our Bibles, guilty. And the Bible tells us that Jesus' blood was shed on the cross and his precious blood washes away all my sin. The Bible, the words, the, the declaration of God is, my guilt is gone. Doesn't feel gone, but my guilt is gone. I don't think it's gone, but my guilt is gone. I don't intuit that my guilt is gone. No, you have to open your Bible. And here's what we read in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 22. Let us go right into the presence of God. God with sincere hearts fully trusting him for our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. That's what's being served up at his table. My guilt is gone because of Christ and because of the cross and because of the blood that was shed for you and for me. And my shame is gone. Doesn't feel gone. I don't think it's gone. I don't intuit that it's gone, no. But the Bible says that because of God's grace, his grace has changed me. I'm a new creation. And God makes me right in his sight. I don't feel that. I don't think that. I don't get that. And yet, the Bible says in Romans chapter 3 and verse 24 Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. That's what's being served at God's table. Because you're not going to think that. You're not going to intuit that. You're, You're not going to go there by yourself. You need a thought that's higher than your thought. You need a meal that you could never make for yourself. My shame... My guilt and my fear. My fear is gone because because he's not given me a spirit of fear, but of love and of power, power and of love and of a sound mind. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. And could I ask our team to make their way, please? I love this scripture. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. For God 
has not given us. This is what's being served at the table. This is the words from the book. This is what the Bible teaches us. This is why we have to open our Bible and not leave it closed. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And like Peter, I may sit down at his table, guilty and shameful and fearful, but I walk away from his table, guiltless, shameless, and fearless. And during that morning meal, the words that Jesus spoke to Peter changed his life forever. Jesus absolved him and assured him and approved him. That's what happens when you open your Bible. God prepares a table for you in the presence of your enemies. You may feel depressed or demoralized or dejected. You may have enemies, cynicism and criticism and doubt. You may, you may, you, you may, you may be dis- depressed, filled with despair. What would God say to me today? I'll tell you exactly what God would say to you today. Come and dine. Come and dine. Come and sit at my table and learn that you are accepted and acquitted and anointed and appointed. You're not going to think those thoughts by yourself. Those are his thoughts. What happens when you open your Bible? You sit at his table. And this is why you've got to have a Bible revival. This is why you've got to have a revival of the Bible in your life and in your home. And with your children and with your kids and your family and your friends, stand to your feet with me this morning. We need a revival of the Bible. When you open up your Bible, you sit down at his table. You sit at his table, and the master prepares a feast for you. Life comes, hope comes, help comes, healing comes. Heavenly Father, I believe that you are bringing a new day to your church, a new day to your people, a new day in a dark day. Lord, in a day when the world is shaking and uncertain, Lord, when everyone is unsure, you are establishing stability and strength. You are establishing, Lord, a place for your people to grow and to become strong and mature and full. And God, you have prepared a table for us in the presence of every enemy that stalks us, every enemy that that taunts us, every enemy that, that, that jeers at us and leers at every enemy. Father, you prepare a table and you cause us to have a feast right in the midst of the enemy's worst stuff that he could throw. And here we are seated, seated, seating at your, at your, seated at your table, Lord. I just pray that you would teach us 
how to think your thoughts, how to know your words. Lord, bring a revival. Bring a revival of the Bible to every one of us here at Imaginations and Lord Beyond and those online right now and those watching in other places. May we be hungry like little babies desiring the milk of the mother. May we desire the word of God, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.